All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3. And then let me get a sip of water here. Amen. Proverbs 16 and 3, and then a companion verse we find in Psalm 37 and 5. Both begin with commit your, amen, commit your. So Proverbs 16 and 3 tells us to commit our um, works to the Lord and our thoughts will be established. Commit our works to the Lord and our thoughts will be established. We haven't really got to this part, I think, the way that we'll eventually get to it, but let me just mention again, nothing influences your life reality more than your established thoughts. Nothing affects your life reality more than your established thoughts. And so thoughts become established in us over a lifetime. And when we talk about changing those thoughts, we, we can't just, you know, you know, okay, I'm just going to change my thoughts. It, it, they're, they're rooted deep in your heart. And it, it was experiences, let me just get to this part and then I'll keep moving here. Experiences were involved in the thoughts that have been established in you already and it's going to require experiences with God and the ways of God and the things of God to establish different and better thinking inside of you. So that's why he says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established because it's, it's something that you do, <clears throat> you're doing things God's way uh, that helps establish uh, his thoughts and thinking in your, in your heart and your life. And then Psalm 37 and 5, again, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. So commit your works and ways to the Lord. We said this is not just what you do, but the way you do it. Because there are a lot of people who are wanting to do God's thing, but they're wanting to do it their way, okay? So like, for example, raising children, uh, having children, raising children (laughs) is God's thing, but a lot of folks want to do it their way. Uh, Marriage is an institution that God established a lot of people want to do God's thing of marriage, but they want to do it their way, their own way. So when he says commit your works, he's talking about your actions, what you do, but then also the way you do it. That's so very important. Commit these things to the Lord. Trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass, Psalm 37 and 5. So commit your works and ways to the Lord. Now, I'm going to make a strong statement. I'll make a, quite a few strong statements this morning. I've been praying over this. So uh, love, nothing but love. Amen. Speaking the truth in love. Um, and, but remember now, just because I say something, that doesn't mean you just take it hook, line, and sinker. Your, your responsibility uh, in, in growing and developing in the things of God is to search these things out for yourself. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search a matter out. And so I encourage you to do that. Amen. Don't just because Pastor Mark said it. Because ultimately, when, when, when the rubber meets the road in your life and the pressure's on, amen, it's going to be what you know from the Lord, amen, that's going to make the difference in your life. But here, here is the strong statement. Nothing in the Bible that applies to you personally is automatic. Nothing in the Bible that applies to you personally is automatic. Now, I started out wanting to say nothing in the Bible is automatic, but that would not, I think, be an accurate statement because there are times and seasons that have been appointed by God, and those times and seasons are, are, are going to come to pass. I mean, there's things that he said to us through Daniel that hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. You mark it down. And there are things, of course, that we see in the book of Revelation that, that uh, apply to this, this earth and the history and the timeline and, and, and these sorts of things. Um, that are going to come to pass. But when it comes to things that apply to you personally, okay, um, none of it is automatic. 
Now, what do we mean by that automatic? Well, let's take salvation for an example. Um, the Bible that reveals the truth, uh, you know, from God about our salvation is in the Bible. But just because someone comes near a Bible doesn't mean they get saved. Just because someone has a Bible on their coffee table or iPad doesn't mean that what God has said to them and promised to them in that Bible is going to automatically come to pass in their lives. So what we see, and, and it's very important that we understand this, is that the things of God must be sought out. They must be pursued. They must be stepped up into. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that it's impossible to please God without faith. So you know, all these things that God has promised us in, in the Word, they're activated and come to, to, to realization in our lives through faith. You know, active effort on your part and my part to believe God. And, but remember, faith without any corresponding action on your part is dormant, it's dead. So there's, there's effort involved in, you know, in believing God and, and going after the things that uh, Father God has uh, said to us and promised to us in His Word. Now, last week we um, tried to illustrate uh, a, a, an issue that people have in the body of Christ today, especially here in this country, when it comes to trusting God. And, it, and, it's, and it's what I call the Jesus take the wheel approach to trusting God. And, and I know it's a, it's a good song, so to speak, but we said last week it may be a pretty song and it may be touching and moving, but it's terrible uh, doctrine, it's terrible theology. Because this, this idea of us just handing Jesus the wheel of our lives and letting Him take over from here while we sleep and nap in the back seat, um, this, is not, um, this is not how uh, the, the ways of God and the works of God and the plan of God for your life um, works. And so we said in, um, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, uh, Jesus' instructions to us is to take His yoke. And just, I'll put a picture of it back up on the screen there. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, notice now, he's in this yoke wanting us to come alongside him. Uh, and, and we're standing out in front of him trying to give him the, the, the wheel and, and saying, Jesus, take the wheel. So let me put this whole verse up here, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. I think it would do us good to, to be reminded of this. And, and for those of you who've never heard me teach on these things, uh, to plant this in your heart. But... Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Now, if, we, if the Bible ended right there, okay, uh, that verse would be true, but the Bible doesn't stop right there. Jesus doesn't stop talking right there. The subject matter continues when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so... There's a pattern here, there's a rhythm here even. It's, it's, it's not just a rhythm in this passage, it's, 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 it's the discipleship rhythm. It's the rhythm of discipleship where this is, what, this is what Jesus says to us. If I could just kind of pull two phrases out of these, this passage. Jesus is saying this to us, come and I will give. But he also says, learn and you will find. So if a man or woman comes to Jesus and receives salvation... He gives them freedom. He gives them righteousness. He, he does more than give it to you. He makes you free. He makes you righteous. He gives you the kingdom. But unless we learn from Him, right, we'll never know how to fully walk in the freedom that we've been given, that we've been made. We'll never learn how to walk, as the Bible says, uprightly in our righteousness 
um, if, we, if we never take the time to learn from Jesus. So he says, come and I'll give, learn and you will find. You see, the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus gives you the kingdom when you're born again, but you still must step up into that kingdom. Let's go back to it. I, I started this verse, Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please him. It goes on to say, he that comes to God, so come, right? Come unto me, all you that are heavy, burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Everyone who comes to God must believe two things. The first thing you must believe is that God is. Okay? You must believe that God is. Okay? And then you also must believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is, and God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So nothing in the Bible that pertains to you, applies to you personally, is automatic. It involves an, an effort on our part to seek these things out, to hear these things, to mix faith with, with the word, and to act upon that word in our lives. Now, there's a lot more I could say there. Maybe we'll cycle back around uh, to these things. Um, but let me, uh, and I'm skipping through a bunch of stuff right here to get to the, I guess, the heart, the meat of what I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to say to us this morning. Um, the yoke, let's, let's jump in here. So the yoke is what committing your works and ways to God looks like. That, that would be, um, when I say symbolic, a symbolic representation of Jesus committing himself to you, that yoke represents commitment, right? And, and then you coming alongside him and slipping your neck in that yoke uh, beside him is your commitment to him, committing your works and ways to him. Because you're in the yoke with him, this means you're going, you've committed yourself to walk alongside him, to do life together with him, and to learn from him. Okay, now, keeping all that in mind, and a lot of that's just review from last week. Um, in modern day Christianity, here's another strong statement. In modern day Christianity, we tend to focus on benefit but ignore process. We, we tend, and, and part of that is, is because of the, of the preachers, teachers uh, on television or otherwise that, that we tend to gravitate towards, right? And listen, I am a preacher, I am a teacher, and it is really, really fun to teach about the benefits of living for God. There's a lot, all the promises of God are yes and amen, and, and all that Jesus has done for us and given to us and freely provided but if we're not careful, it's very easy then for us to only focus on the benefit. Uh, and, and, and some people ignore the process because they're ignorant of the process. In other words, they don't know the process. They, they just hear about all these wonderful things and wonderful promises. So here's what we know about God from the scriptures. God is a God of great benefit, but he is also a God of process. He's a God of process. Let's talk about the benefits first. Psalm 103 is a great place to start on that. Um, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? Forget not all His benefits. Anybody in the room this morning that can say it's beneficial to serve God, it's beneficial to, amen. I think, I think we've experienced that. I mean, it's, you know, amen. It's, it, I, I, praise God. I mean, it's just the way to live. I mean, it's, it's the sweet spot of life. 
And, and, and so we thank God for the, for the benefits of knowing Him and being called His own. He goes on to kind of talk about some of those benefits. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, we could spend the rest of 2021 just talking about those you know, five verses right there and all that is, in, in, and not even exhaust all the great benefits um, of God. But when we talk about committing our works and ways to the Lord, this means committing yourself to God's process, not just His benefits. I want you to think for a moment the difference between committing yourself to the benefits versus committing yourself to the process in other words, anybody would say, man, you know, crowned with loving kindness, forgiven, healed, blessed, prospering, sign me up. Yeah, I'm committed to that. So it's, it's very easy to, to get excited about the benefits and make a commitment to God based upon the benefits. Amen. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a, a wrong thing or a bad thing, but there's at some point we if we're ever going to get, gain any traction in, in these things, then we've got to understand the process as well. You're getting kind of quiet on me. That's all right. I'm just, I just want to make sure you're still with me this morning, okay? Don't, don't tune this out. This is, this is important stuff right here, all right? We're, we're ultimately talking about learning to trust God. So committing your works and ways to the Lord means committing yourself to God's process, not just committing yourself to His benefit. It's like saying, sign me up for the destination, but not the journey, not the trip, right? Sign me up for the championship, but not the, you know, two-a-day practices. Sign me up for the, matter of fact, don't even sign me up for the championship game, just sign me up for the parade at the end of the championship, right? but not all the effort that goes into winning a championship. So let's talk for a minute, what is process? By process, we're talking about a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So I don't know if you ever thought about God in light of a, a God of process, but He is absolutely positively a God of process. Now, I'm covering a lot of stuff here that we could spend weeks on, and I'm not intending to do that, but I do feel like we need this background of understanding to really focus in on and zero in on what it means to commit our works and ways to the Lord. So let's go quickly then to Galatians chapter 6 uh, and verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived, God's not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So do you see the, the whole idea of process involved? And in, in, in this verse perhaps more than any other, and there's lots of others, but I was just trying with the, with the verse out of Psalms to, to you know, help you see the benefits, a verse that mentions the benefits of God. But when we talk about God's process, perhaps nothing captures it better than what we know from the Scriptures about our Creator Father uh, when it comes to sowing and reaping. As a matter of fact, how about this? Nothing says process like sowing and reaping. Right. Nothing says process better 
than sowing and reaping. And so what we see then is that the God who created the mighty oak also created the mighty acorn. <laughs> now, see, we get really excited about the mighty oak. I mean, man, look at this oak tree, right? But the same God who created that oak tree created the acorn. And I love what Jesse Duplantis says about the acorn, that he says the oak tree is nothing but an acorn that held its ground. Right? Just wouldn't be moved. Held its ground. And so we see that, that, that there's, there's process involved in this. Now, I may not get much past this part of my message this morning, but I, I just feel, matter of fact, I tried to leave this part out and just kind of mention it. But I, if we're going to zero down, you know, drill down into, zero in on anything, um, I feel like this section here perhaps best makes the point of what the Holy Spirit's saying to us um, that we tend, in modern day Christianity, we tend to focus more on benefit than process. And, and the devil's using this to steal from us, if you don't know this already. The devil is using this to keep us from experiencing the freedom and the righteousness and the prosperity and, and all these benefits, amen, that belong to us. We, we could say rights, privileges. All the, the Bible uses this terminology. This isn't man-made terminology. The Bible uses the terminology of our rights and privileges and benefits. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and you have the full rights, benefits, and privileges that, are in, that, that belong to a, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so all of this is language that the Bible uses. This is not something that I'm just coming up with or stretching to fit, right? But there are a lot of people who hear all these sermons about benefits, and they're wondering when that part's going to kick in. There are people who hear all this talk about abundant life and, and, and prosperity and, and these kinds of things, and they're like, well, you know, I've been hearing this for years, Pastor Mark, and I'm not really experiencing these things in my own life like I should. Well, again, there's all kinds of reasons for that, but some of the main reasons are we focus more on the benefit and, and commit ourselves to the benefit without committing ourselves to the process. Now, I'm going to, again, this is how the Holy Spirit, I believe, showed me to, to illustrate this. And it's when we take pieces of a Bible verse, out of context, by the way, and, out, and, and we don't consider everything that, that's in, included in that verse, we just take the phrase out of it that kind of captures the benefit and we overuse it so much that it, it, even the phrase loses its impact and it becomes a cliche. Now, Jesus corrected the religious leaders of his day and he told them that they had taken the, the, the living and powerful word of God and they had reduced it down to ineffective words. He said, because of your tradition, you've taken the word of God and you've you've rendered it ineffective. You, you've, you've, you've put it in a, in a place in your life to where it cannot produce in your life what God intends for it to produce in your life. Not because the Word of God isn't the Word of God anymore. It's still the Word of God. It's still living and powerful. It still has power within it to prosper and accomplish the very thing that God sends it forth to prosper and accomplish in our lives. But again, we, we, we limit these things by our own traditional thinking, by our own religious thinking. We take, we take portions of the Bible and, and we, we, we you know, quote it and we, and we say it um, and it becomes a cliche without any understanding of really what God 
the balance, if you will, of what God has said to us, all right? Now, we could almost stop after this first one. We're not going to, but we could almost stop after this first one because I think it makes the point. Um, but how about this? Have you ever heard or said uh, these, these words, all things work together? All things work together. See, you, you, hear, you hear people say this often and because, again, one of the benefits to serving God, one of the benefits available to us as children of God is that all things work together for good to those who are called, to those who love God <laughs> and are called according to His purpose, right? Now, that's just part of that whole passage. I'm not going to turn to that one this morning. But if you've read the context there in Romans, the eighth chapter, he's talking about facing situations that you don't know what to do about, you don't have an answer for, because you don't know how to pray about that situation as you should. The Holy Spirit himself also helps our infirmities. One translation says our weaknesses. It literally means our inability to get results. I'm sure nobody in this room, but you probably know somebody who's been in a situation in their lives that, you know, they don't know how to get the results in that situation that they need to, to get. The Bible connects our ability to get the result that we need in a situation with our ability to pray correctly in that situation. He says, so when we find ourselves there, we have a process. That process is the Holy Spirit inside of you praying and making intercession through you in words that cannot be spoken in articulate speech, groanings and unknown tongues, okay, right? And in that situation, the Holy Spirit prays through us a prayer that's in perfect agreement with the will of God, okay? And then he says, and all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So do you see how all things working together for your benefit that's a tremendous, I mean, think about that for a moment. Why would anyone not want to commit themselves to that benefit? To where, you know, even a flat tire on a Sunday morning is somehow working for my benefit. It's working for my good. Are you, you see, in other words, how could it be that even when it looks like I'm losing, I'm still winning because no matter what's happening in my life, God's somehow going to turn it all into my favor and into my benefit. And even when the enemy thinks he's somehow getting one up on me, he ain't getting one up on me. Amen. But are you following? In other words, what a tremendous universal benefit for our lives. And so people are like, sign me up, man. Yeah. And so no wonder people walk around going, well, you know, all things work together see this is what I mean by we we tend to be more focused on the benefit while ignoring the process how about this one anybody ever heard somebody say this the truth will make you free man it absolutely will make you free thank God the truth will make you free amen but see that's the benefit What's the process? Well, the process, we find it in John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, King James says, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let me tell you one thing that'll help you in studying the scriptures, okay? You never begin a thought with the word and. You never begin a thought with the word therefore. 
Anytime you find a therefore in the scriptures, you need to see what was said above it. Because everything that was said above it is connected to whatever passage you're reading right there that begins with the word therefore. The same is true with and. The same is true with the conjunction but now. Right? Any, any, no thought begins with but now. Are you following what I'm saying? If, 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 you just heard, if you just joined the conversation and somebody was saying, but now it's this way, you're like, well, okay, what's changed? What, what came before this that I missed? So people say the truth will make you free. They don't even know it's a Bible verse. That's what I mean by it becoming a cliche. You know, people throw this around right and left. What's the process? The process is believing on Jesus. The process is continuing in his word. The process is making an uncommon commitment of discipleship to the Lord. The process is coming through that whole process, coming to a knowledge of the truth. And once you know the truth, that truth will enable you to walk and live in freedom. How about this one? I'm giving it to God. I'm giving it to God. Well, is that a benefit for us as God's children to be able to give things to Him? Absolutely. Difficult situations? Absolutely. Hurts and offenses? Absolutely. Uh, things that, that frustrate us or that we don't understand? Is, it, it, do we have the opportunity, the option, uh, the benefit available to us to give those things to God? Yes, yes, yes. But what did Paul say? He said, I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep which, that which I have committed to him until that day. So just a random expression of I'm giving it to God is not the same as knowing and being persuaded and committing. You see the process versus the benefit. Okay, some of you lucky you're ready for me to be through. Related to this one, how about this one? This, you know, this would be one like um, folks that maybe weren't raised in the church. You do realize that we talk different than, than, than folks out in the world, right? Amen. So this one is related to, I'm giving it to God. I'm casting my care upon the Lord. I'm casting my care upon the Lord. Man, I'm just going to cast the care of it. If you've really heard like some good teaching on this, you'll, you'll even say this, I'm casting the whole of my care on the Lord because that's, that's biblically what it means, all right? But let's go to the verse that we find this thought from, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, comma, lowercase c, beginning next verse, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So I mentioned therefore, but now, and. Another key thing is if a verse begins with a lowercase letter. Verse 7, if, you just, if, if I just put verse 7, and I should have done that, but if I just put verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you, right? If it begins with a lowercase c, that means it's part of a longer sentence. Amen. And so notice, we go to six, therefore humble. We could go on beyond that because there's a therefore, right? Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. 
So what's the process? The benefit is casting your care upon him. What's the process? You, me, humbling myself, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's just a whole lot more enjoyable just to cast the care on him and go do whatever we want to do, right? See, this is the whole Jesus take the will. Jesus take the care. Jesus fix the problem. Here, Jesus, I'm giving this to you without ever committing our works or ways to the Lord. The ways of God are humility. The ways of God are, well, amen. Okay. Now, here's a good one, especially if you're, if you're word of faith folks like us around here. Bless God, whatever I put my hand to will prosper. Man, we just confess that. I'm not telling you don't confess it. I'm not telling you these things aren't benefits available to you. There is a place that you and I can live in life that literally, you know, we call it the Midas touch. You know, man, whatever he touches turns to gold. No, whatever you touch will prosper for the glory of God. This is a benefit available to every child of God living on planet Earth. And so we love the benefit. Right? But we, we tend to ignore the process. Well, you've probably picked up by now that there's going to be a process, right? So here we find it. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delights in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does, whatever he puts his hand to, shall prosper. Do you see the process here, right? <laughs> not doing what ungodly people say we should do. Not living the way ungodly people say we should live. At first glance, we think, oh, I would never do that. <laughs> Careful now, <laughs> right? Not standing in the path of sinners. In other words, not walking the ways that, that, that sinful people walk, right? The big one we've been learning about on Wednesday night is sitting in the seat of the scornful. So a lot of God's people, they would never listen to ungodly counsel and do what ungodly people tell them to do. They would never walk in the ways of, 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 of sinners, not deliberately, intentionally. But there's a lot of God's people who sit in the seat of the scornful and, and with contempt, think little of, judge, express negative opinions about other people. That's what it means to sit in the seat of the scornful. Anyway, how about delighting in the Word of God? and meditating in it day and night. See, all of this is process. All, all of this is, let's go back to what process is. Maybe it'll register a little better. Praise God. Process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So the particular end would be the benefit, right? The particular end would be whatever I put my hand to will prosper. But what are the, um, <laughs> amen, what are the series of steps, right? Not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, not sitting in the, in, the, in the path, standing in the path of sinners, not sitting in the seat of scornful. But remember now, you weren't created to not do things. You were created to do things. You can't sustain not doing something the rest of your life. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I talk about this in my book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction. Nobody ever, you know, greets their family member coming home from, let's say your daughter comes home from school. You don't go, hey, honey, what did you not do at school today? It's because that's not how we're hardwired. We're hardwired to do. So first of all, he tells us what we should avoid, what we should not do. That's part of the process. Part of the process is not doing things contrary to the process. Don't do this. Do this, right? And if you do this, guess what's going to happen? Whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Amen. All things will work together. 
for your benefit. Okay, now here's, a, here's another one. <laughs> Y'all still with me? Hey Amen. I looked, I, see, your face says 12, my clock says 1130. All right, let's finish this list, can we? How about this one right here? This is a good one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I used to think that meant I could slam dunk a basketball, right? Maybe if I lost about 20 pounds and did some squats, I could, but I don't know. Amen. Praise God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes it's just limited to I can do all things. We don't even include, we, we just leave the whole who Christ, Christ who strengthens me out of that, right? I can do all things, you know. You know what the Bible says, brother? The Bible says you can do all things. That's right, I can do all things, right? All right, so let's, let's see what the process is, all right? Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you care for me, your care for me has flourished again Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Let me give you some background here, okay? Paul would go into an area that had never heard of Jesus, that had never been evangelized. He would go in there and, and hazard his own life. I mean, you know, sleep in the streets if he had to, to preach the gospel to these people, building tents on the side to make him a little, you know, scratch money. Um, at his own expense, he's, he, you know, get people saved, labor there among them, sometimes a couple of years, get a church built, train a pastor, get it established. And then as an apostle, true apostle, he would go and do it again somewhere else. And then a lot of times, it was God's process <laughs> would be for those churches to then help him financially go and do for other people what he had through the Holy Spirit of his own sacrifice, his own dime, so to speak, done for them. And so the Philippians had helped him financially in the past, but I don't know, maybe they got caught up in some other, we don't know, and I'm not going to theorize here, but but. So now he's saying, man, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that now at last your care for me has flourished again. So for whatever reason, they started sending him some financial support again, and Paul's thanking them for it, okay? And he says, look, I know that you cared, even though, you know, you lacked opportunity. <laughs> I know when, you know, you didn't send me anything for about three years that you still thought fondly of me and just glad you got around to doing it. I mean, I'm, amen, praise God. All right. He says, but not that I speak in regard to need. What's he saying? He says, I'm not hint-bricking for you to increase your support, nor am I going to be disappointed if nothing comes next month. Okay. I'm not speaking to you about need, because let me tell you where I have learned to live in life. I have learned, learned, notice, he's learned this. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. He said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Do you see the context here? Do you see the process here? Man, we don't, this whole learning to be abased, learning to be humble, learn, learning to be content no matter what we have or don't have. Learning, see, these are very, very important lessons. These are very, very valuable lessons. But notice the experience of all of this has opened doors of seeing and knowing now in, in Paul's life. It's like, listen, what is he saying? He said, I'm going to be fine whether you send me anything next month or not. Matter of fact, he's going to say, I'm going to read it to you. He's going to say something like, what was the, I don't, it's not a cliche for you, I know, but what was the one thing that came to your mind, right? God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory, right? Okay, well, amen. So that's our next one. God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Guess what? It's, it starts verse 14. I just read to you Philippians 4, 10 through 13. So let's go on now. Verse 14. Nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Wow. So what's the context here? The context is giving and receiving. The context is, notice, not just giving. That's the thing that I think we sometimes lose sight of. Paul didn't just say that no church shared with me concerning giving. He said, no church share with me concerning giving and receiving. Because Jesus said, what? Give, and it'll be given unto you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once, once and again. So it wasn't necessarily consistent, but when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Verse 17. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Those of you that have been around here at Heritage for years, you know that I tell you, anytime we, we're going to talk about giving and receiving and tithes and what the Bible says about that, it's not for my benefit or the church's benefit, it's for yours. And that's what Paul's saying here. He said, look, this isn't about me trying to make you feel sorry for me or tug on your heartstrings or somehow get you, you know, all stirred up and fired up to, to give and be more consistent. He says, the, the only reason that I'm bringing this up is not because I'm seeking some gift from you, but I'm seeking the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Why could Paul say that God would supply all of their needs? It's because they had humbled themselves and sacrificed and by the Holy Spirit made an offering acceptable to God. One that it wasn't, see, this is what we got to understand. If you gave this morning, if you gave in the offering this morning, you didn't give to the church. You certainly didn't give to me. Pam and I aren't taking that offering home with us. Are you understand what I'm saying? The Bible is very clear. When you give from a right heart, it's as if you are, it's not as if you are, literally, you're giving it to God. 
I think sometimes, see, we got, you know, and listen, I've, I've asked the Lord to help me with this because I've almost been like apologetic towards offerings. You know, it's like, you, you know. And, and, and then sometimes people give offerings like, well, you know, and we got to, you know, keep the lights on down there. You know, it's, gonna, you know, it's, it's kind of, and, and, we, and we see it as, as, as people giving to people as, as, or, or as, as giving to an organization or an institution. My friend, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you give, you're giving it as unto him. You're giving it to him. There's a whole teaching on that. Maybe we'll get to in the, in the days ahead. But this is why the, the this is why Paul could say, "My God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus." Because they had been faithful to support Him even when they were the only ones. Even if it wasn't consistent, Paul's like, "Man, you." You did what you could, and you did it when you had opportunity. And even in, when I was in Thessalonica, you know, you, you went through all the effort that's required to get that money to me. Listen, there are, there are, there are missions and, 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 and missionaries that we support that are easy to support. When I say easy, man, just automatic draft. You know, that's the way we do it, praise God, you know. And then, you know, when you start getting over into Africa, it is, it is a challenge to get money into other countries like that sometimes. I'm just telling you, right? And, but what Paul is saying here is it's like, look, it was, it was so, I was in places that was very difficult. They didn't have Western Union. Are you know what I'm saying? He's like, you know, it's bank transfers, none of that. No, it, 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 was, it required a tremendous amount of effort just to get an offering to him. And he says, and you did that. And it was a sweet smelling uh, aroma in the nostrils of God. And it was well pleasing to him. It kind of changes the whole idea of, well, God supplies all my needs. You see, there's a process. That's, is that a benefit of God supplying all of your needs? It is an absolute benefit of being a son or a daughter of God. But is there a process associated with the benefit? Well, sister, we're just believing for the peace of God that passes all understanding. Okay? Amen. Can we have the peace of God that passes all understanding? Remember what the Holy Spirit said to us two Sundays ago. He said, you can have peace when you don't understand if you trust someone who does. When something doesn't make sense to you, you, you can it, it not upset you, it not uh, throw you into some emotional tailspin, some anger or, 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 or depression or bitterness, all, all of that, right? I, even when you don't understand it. I don't know if you've read Job recently I, I, man the lord the lord is helping me love the book of job okay i'll just be honest with you of all the books in the bible it's, it's it's not necessarily my favorite one to to study right i especially read i mean it's not my favorite one to read especially study there 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 is wonderful wisdom and understanding for us in job but here here is if there's one if there's one takeaway and, I, and to me i think it's the most important takeaway right and this is what I've been blinded to. The Lord showed me this, I don't know, a while back. But it's like here recently, he finally showed it to me, okay? Are you ready? Is that Job trusted God even when he didn't understand. Are you with me? He trusted God even when he did not understand. He said this. He said, if God kills me, I'll still trust him. See, that is the takeaway. Now, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Okay, here, here's. So finally, the Lord is like, Job lived the book of Job and still trusted me. 
a lot of my people can't even read the book of Job and still trust me. They read it and they go, oh, God, no. See, we, we, take one of, we take one of two extremes when we read the book of Job. The one extreme is, God, I'll get you. God's just going to knock you in the head. You know? Or we take, the, we take the position of we're trying to find excuses. Well, you know, Job said some things he shouldn't have said. And Job this. And, and you know, he, worse fears came upon him. And so then it was almost like we try to explain the whole thing away. And I'm, I'm not here to judge you whatever side of the, that debate you may be on. But don't, see, here's the thing again. Job trusted God and he lived the book of Job. I think I can trust God <laughs> in reading it. I, there's a lot of things. I'm, can I tell you I don't understand a lot of things in the book of Job? And if you think less of me for that, that's all right. There's a lot of that stuff I don't understand. But I still trust him. <laughs> Are you with me? He's a good God. Amen. Are you following me? All right. All right, so the peace of God that passes all understanding. Well, let's see what it says. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. See, this is process here. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Notice that's a semicolon for those of you who've been out of English class for a while. Verse 7 begins with the lowercase a. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we hear that, man, you, you, need, to, you need to come to God. He'll give you peace that passes all understanding. In the middle of your most difficult thing in life, you can still have peace. Really? Wow. I need some peace. And so, and so we hear the benefit, but we tend to ignore the process of being anxious for nothing prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, being thankful, making our requests known unto God. Have you noticed the, a pattern here? A lot of the benefits that, that people, you know, have reduced to a, a sentence or a phrase, they're the, the bottom part of a set of verses, and usually the benefit begins like that one right there, and lowercase a, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the same Bible, let me see if I can land this plane this morning. Are you getting anything out of this? See, it's not, see, we even take, we, sermons like this, what I'm, what I'm going to call a more process-oriented sermon. Remember what the Lord spoke to me, and I've reminded you of it years, years and years later, right? This was all the way back in the cabinet shop days, at the very beginning the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to be a how preacher, not a wow preacher. Okay. What, is, what does that mean? I understood exactly what it meant because I was trying to build a sermon that would get everybody stirred up and excited. They'd get a whole bunch of amens. Maybe get them on their feet. Maybe even get them running around. Man, that's, I have lit a fire under them, right? Okay. Well, see, if you just preach on benefits all the time, you, you, you get people stirred up, right? But see, that's, that's more wow. It's wowing you. you know, the, the wow sermon is the ones where you get a lot of amens and people call you the next day and go, man, Pastor, that's probably the best sermon you ever preached. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But then the how sermon, that's the ones that focus on the process. And we're like, man, don't, don't bore us with the process. Don't tell us, don't ask us to do something. You know what I'm saying? In other words, I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying you, again, probably know somebody, all right? So here's one, all right? God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. Man, please say it. Please confess it. 
I'm not telling you that's not a benefit. It is a benefit. But you do realize that the same Bible that says God has not given you a spirit of fear also commands you not to worry and to bring every thought captive in your mind to the obedience of Christ. So, the benefit and the process is kind of like, and I'm, I'm ending, I promise I am, it's kind of like Jesus take the wheel and drive me straight to my promised land. Okay. But remember what we said last week. We're, we're, we're wanting to learn from riding what can only be learned from plowing. We want to learn from watching, from observation, what can only be learned from doing. Maybe we'll get to more of this next week. But you, have you ever read in the book of Acts where Philip was translated? What, what do we mean by translated? It doesn't mean his name was translated to another language. It means beam me up, Scotty. I mean, it was like he was there and then he was gone and then he was seen in, a, in another town. And I was thinking about this. Stand with me. I'll finish right here, I promise. Stand with me. Praise God. God could have beamed the whole entire nation of Israel. He didn't have to part the Red If God could part the Red Sea, surely he could just make them all disappear and reappear in Canaan land. I mean, in, in a split second. Now, if, I'm, if you think I'm making a joke, I am not making a joke. Jesus walked through walls. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? See, God told Philip, he said, he said, head out into the desert, son. And Philip trusted in him enough to do it. He just starts walking in a lonely road out into the desert. Boy, we're going to try to find a lizard out here under a cactus to get saved. What are we going to do, Jesus? After he walked for a while, there's an Ethiopian, high-ranking official from, from, the, from the nation of Ethiopia, pulled over on the side of the road in, in one of the finest uh, you know, uh, limousine chariots of the day. And he's reading from Isaiah's prophecy. And Philip said, I wonder what that guy's doing out here. And just kept walking. No, he's like, here's why I'm here. <laughs> hey, sir, do you understand what you're reading? How could I understand unless somebody explains this to me? So he invites him into the back of his limousine chariot and Philip leads him to the Lord. And the man says, there's, there's a little bit of water over here in the desert. Imagine that, right? He says, is there anything that would prevent you from baptizing me right now? No, sir. You and all your regal robes and, and highfalutin dresses. Come on, let's go get in that water, right? He baptized that man in the water. That man comes back to the water rejoicing, and Philip disappeared. And all of a sudden, Philip's like walking down the street of another city. What's the point? The point is, God could have done that for the whole nation of Israel. 
But if he'd have transported them to the promised land before they knew how to trust him, it'd have been a disaster. For you for those of you who don't know, it wasn't a 40-day, it wasn't a 40-year trip. It was an 11-day trip. Now, if you think I'm like going all religious crazy on you, wilderness experience bragging, no, that's not what we're talking about here. The only, thing that made the, the only thing that made the trip hard was their disobedience and lack of trust. And I got to quit. Amen. See, God's a God of process. It's through the process of committing your works and ways to the Lord that he teaches you how to trust him. And, and shows you that there ain't no way you'd ever live any other way in your life. It's when, it's when it becomes established thoughts now. Father, you're good to us. Father, we do believe that your peace guards our heart. We do believe that whatever we put our hands to prospers. We do believe that you haven't given us a spirit of fear. We do believe that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. We do believe that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. We, and Lord, just on and on and on, Father, we believe every bit of that. But we also, this morning, are not just committing ourselves to the benefits, Lord. We're committing ourselves to the process, to the journey, to the yoke, to the plowing, to the process, Father, of learning from Jesus by the Holy Spirit and your Holy Word. Everything that belongs to us, everything that we can do, Lord, the, the level of influence, the level of prosperity, the level of fruitfulness, Lord, that you want every one of us to live on. Teach us to trust you, Father, so that we can live there and bring you glory. Thank you, Father, for this morning together. Thank you for all that you've freely given to us. Help us be men and women who commit ourselves to the process as much as we commit ourselves to the benefits. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, your love, if nobody's told you that this morning, thank you for being here. You be blessed. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you Wednesday, if not before. Praise God.